When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio, Oilers. 630 Chad. He denied Paul Merritt. Lead pass left side. McDavid's got a two-on-one. Wanders in. Wade stitches. What timer score? Leon Dreisaitl buries it from McDavid. And Edmonton prevails. Three, two, in. Time. The Oilers' two top scorers get a break in OT. Leon Dreisaitl, no mistake, his second overtime winner of the season. And the Oilers stick with it and rally to beat the New Jersey Devils in overtime for the second time in less than a week. Tonight, the final 3-2 at Rogers Place. Dreisaitl, a big night. He gets a goal and two assists. Connor McDavid with two helpers. And Patrick Maroon just keeps rolling. He scored the goal that tied it at 12.36 of the third. He has nine goals in his last 11 games, and he's up to 17 on the season. Thanks a lot for joining us. It's 10.04, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Well, Rob, they stuck with it a, a lot that got us to the end, but let's start with the goal that decided the game, and in my mind, a stunning Line change by Adam Henrique. <laughs> well, there's another word that starts with S-T, and it could go S-T-U, stupid. Uh, I, I have no idea what Henrique was doing there. Uh, the, the Oilers had started in the offensive zone. They had some, some opportunities. Comes all the way back to their zone, so both McDavid and Dreisaitl had to come back and play defensive hockey. They were tired. Dreisaitl got the puck on the boards in his own zone, about 10 feet inside his blue line. He was standing still. He just wanted to outlet the puck and change. He gets the puck to McDavid far side, and he looks up, and Adam Henrique, who is the guy covering him, is standing five feet away from him, looks at him, and then just turns and looks at the bench. Drysaddle reads that, takes off, and the New Jersey Devils have no one on the ice, and all of a sudden, the Oilers' best two players, two of the best players in the National Hockey League, and the hottest two players in the National Hockey League, have a two-on-one. Schneider, the goaltender for the New Jersey Devils, was furious. Merrill, the defenseman who was back, was furious. And I'm sure the kid Wood, who had to jump on the ice and take the minus, was a little mad too. So stupid play by Adam Henrique. You do not change when... I, I don't even know what's going Weird through play. his mind. Weird a terrible play. play. And it costs you... Or excuse me, it costs the New Jersey Devils a possible point. Now, having said that, the Oilers were all over the New Jersey Devils in overtime. And the dry settle scores the game winner. But the play he made to Andre Sekra that sent him in on the breakaway was just beautiful. Across ice, McDavid to Drysdale, he finds Sekra. Sekra unable to score. But the Edmonton Oilers, when they put Drysdale and McDavid on in overtime, uh, honestly, it, it's whether the goaltender can make a big save or not because they're going to get great chances. Just thinking of that Henrik play again, I mean, it was almost like I was watching him and so many things happen so fast in a hockey game. Like, I was actually watching him and thinking, oh, he's going to chase Leon. And then he actually looked, and it, it was almost like, oh, it's going to be a two-on-one. Oh, oh, I, better get off. I, better, I don't want a minus. I better get off yeah, the ice. Yeah, and he was still standing there as Leon went. Like, Leon had to skate right behind him, and he's still standing there. And, like, you don't even do that in, in beer league hockey. Your buddy's on the bench, will yell at you <laughs> right. if you're doing that. And had he just stood on the ice, had he just stood and looked at Leon and stayed there with him, Leon would have changed. Leon was exhausted. 
And the only reason Leon took off was because, oh, look at this dummy here. I'm going to skate past him and go in on a two-on-one. And there was absolutely no chance in the world that McDavid and Drysdale weren't going to finish the game right then and there. You know, I, I, I still thought a bit of an uneven game for the Oilers, and, and we'll get to that, but I think we want to talk about the big plays that they did make tonight first. And with 7.24 left in the third period, Maroon's 17th goal of the season. And I mean, we talk about it. Not, I mean, he has scored goals from medium range, but generally, occupy that area, dig for the puck, and sometimes you get rewarded. Well, two things that you and I have talked about over the last few years doing the games. If, if you want to score goals in the National Hockey League, the two main things you got to do is hang out in the blue paint. And Maroon was there. He was standing in the blue paint. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes you're going to get a beaten while you're there. But stand there. Good things will happen. And the other thing, if you've got no play, throw it on net. And Leon Dreisel gets the puck behind the net. And he just throws it at a goalie in front of the net. He's, he doesn't know if that puck's going to go in, where it's going to bounce, but nobody does. But he put the puck in an area that was dangerous to the New Jersey Devils. And all of a sudden, one New Jersey Devil defenseman falls, the other can't find the puck. The goalie's laying there, and Patty Maroon, who's a big man occupying space, puts it into the net. So I don't know if I felt at any time that the Oilers weren't going to be able to come back and score that tying goal. They were controlling the play, and their number one line had been snake-bitten so much as of late that you knew something was going to go their way, and tonight it did three times. 3-2, three, the Oilers win it in overtime, 780-496-0063. We have our old buddy K-Jam starting it off tonight. Hey, K-Jam. Hey, how's it going, Reed? Um, I, there was so much that happened in this game. It was such an entertaining game uh, for for how everything went on, but uh, something I do want to talk about, I want to get it out of the way right away, is, is the Taylor Hall, uh, Zach Cassian, uh, incident, you know, I think I think that this trade with Taylor Hall, the the interviews that I look that I, that I hear him do and see him do and stuff, you know, it seems like he's he's grown a little bit, matured. He's had to learn some tough lessons. And um, you know, the the pushback that he showed against Cassian, and uh, just at the circle there, in in a in a little bit of a battle at a faceoff, and then uh, I mean, he he threw obviously was a was a dirty elbow. Um, but you know, I I kind of see that as, as as Taylor Hall taking the responsibility. One team, maybe you could say, depending on the way you look at the the players involved, two or three teams too late uh, to really to really push back for the the uh, Sam Gagne incident and. You know, uh, I think that maybe Taylor Hall should have should have fought Zach Cassian. I kind of understand why he didn't, but you know, for this, I kind of, you know, say that you know, I understand that, that Cassian's gone through stuff in his life since then. But I kind of say, well, now the Cassian slates wipes clean from the the Sam Gagne thing. I don't really hold this against Hall um, in terms of of you know making him a heel or anything at this point. And I think that it's just sort of clean sheet here on out. And that's how I feel about that. Thanks, KJM. Appreciate the call tonight. That that was, uh, and I know you and Bob were talking about it, Rob. That was a, a strange, I don't know if strange is, is the right word. That was a spirited sequence. I mean, Hall got away with an elbow. Okay, yep. it wasn't called. Yep. And Cassian's furious, and he out and out attacks Taylor Hall. Yep. And then the, Cassian gets two minutes when he probably should have got five. I agree. And 
I mean, the original call should have been two minutes for elbowing. And so, I mean, the it was the end result was correct that the Oilers got a two minute power play. But given everything else that happened, it was it wasn't correct. I didn't. Well, especially because I didn't see the elbow off the, the top. Well, I saw it on the replay. Yeah, on, yeah, that's what I mean. But before the before the whistle went and the, the big scrum happened, I didn't see the elbow. I saw the sucker punch. So I'm thinking, okay, Oilers down, or it's going to be tough comeback. You know, they're going to be down a man here for probably five minutes because I was guessing that Cassian was going to get a major for it. Then you see Cassian leave the ice, and I thought it was because he was ejected. It was because he was cut, but I thought he was ejected. And all of a sudden you look up on the scoreboard, and the Oilers have a PP, and I'm like, okay, that's not how I had it worked out. Now when you see the replay, and obviously the linesman had to have called the, the elbow because no ref had his arm up. Even though they called it high sticking. Yeah, so there, yeah, yeah, it wasn't a high stick. I wonder, can a ref call an elbow, a four-minute elbow? Or, excuse me, a linesman? I don't think so. So that's probably why they call it. I think call they could call a five-minute elbow if they, yeah, they so call majors, they, but right? But there was, there was no call. So I don't understand how it came about that Taylor got the four-minute penalty. It was the right call if he was cut and he was, an elbow was the right call, but the refs hadn't got their arm. There was no way that that was a delayed call. Mm-hmm. Cassie and I... I believe deserve more than two minutes for a sucker punch. Drop the glove, sucker punch. It could have been a fight. I mean, I've seen fights where guys have thrown less punches than that. Yep. So the Oilers very fortunate to come out at that in that position. Uh, I thought Hall was fine tonight for the New Jersey Devils. They just there's not a lot to work with on that team with their top dude Neiman out. They don't create a lot. They don't come out of their zone easy. Everything is flipping a puck and now they're chasing down, and the Oilers stuck with it. I mean. It's one of those, and you and I have been doing a lot of games. Had the New Jersey Devils gotten to a shootout and won this game, we'd have a lot of upset people, despite the fact that the Oilers outplayed them. But because the Oilers got the, the goal in overtime and, and they win, everyone feels good. But the Oilers are, again, playing good hockey, staying in a goal, always within a shot of being able to win a hockey game, and their best players became their best players. I thought Leon Dreisaitl was outstanding tonight for the Edmonton Oilers. Dreisaitl, the second star, Hall, the third star, and Patrick Maroon gets to be the first star. Tonight, fans are uh, continuing to fall even more in love with him. Fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. I, to me, it's an easy four star for the Edmonton Oilers. I thought Sekro was outstanding for the Oilers tonight. He led the Oilers in ice time in over 24 minutes. He led the Oilers in shots. He scored a goal. He very easily could have been the OT winner uh, hero as he had a great chance. He, he's, he's continuing to progress to be the number one D-man that the Oilers thought when they signed him last year. I thought he was a four-star. He was very, very good for the Edmonton Oilers. All right, we'll get back to the phone calls in a second here, but head coach Todd McClellan ready downstairs for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine parts at wholesale prices. Todd, that looked like a real game that you had to grind out and you were able to do it tonight. We did. It was, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, one of those trap games where we felt we had a pretty good game in, in Jersey, and you're not sure if you're your team is going to be ready to go against them. Um, I thought we started well. Um, could be misleading at times playing against them because you're in the, we were in their end a fair amount again, but um, we could do a better job of attacking the net, getting a, a dirty or um, greasy, I guess is the term, goal, like Patty Maroon did it, uh, you know, for the second one. But um, a good sign for us is we, we stayed patient. 
Uh, we used all the minutes we, we possibly had to win a game again. We had to do that in, in New Jersey as well. But um, I'd like to see us finish a little bit more for the number of chances we've had. You put... Uh, <coughs> um, maybe the goals didn't come, but did you sense a little bit more from them? In... Yeah, they were... They had some pace to their game tonight. They were on top of... Uh, on top of the defenseman, uh, creating some turnovers, rolling around on the cycle. Uh, you know, again, I think I think it's coming for Jordan. Uh, breakaway, crossbar, post, whatever it was. Um, you know, he had that in Ottawa. So if he gets one, will the rest come? We certainly hope so. What did you make of that sequence with Taylor and I guess the elbow on Cassian? And then I don't know if that gets called if he doesn't go after Taylor or not. Oh, I. No, it's not a. We talk about blows to the head, and I, I don't know if Taylor's had concussions before or not. Maybe he has, but uh, and I didn't think it was a very uh, clean play by any means, and good for Cass standing up for himself. All right, so McClellan says good for Cassian standing up for himself. The Oilers win the game 3-2 in overtime over the Devils' dry sidle, the game winner. 780-496-0063. We're going to welcome Cam to the show. Hello, Cam. Hi, Cam, do we have you? Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead, buddy. Okay, so uh, good evening, guys. Well, first thing I want to say is we're we're tough. <laughs> we're finally tough, and that's huge. You know, nobody's going to push us around, so it's great. As far as the linesmen, um, Rob, you'd mentioned about the, at, at one time linesmen could call a five, no question, but I've always had it explained that a linesman has the right to confer with a ref and give his opinion, and then the ref can still make the call, which could be a four, could be a five. Does that make sense to you guys? I don't know. I'd, I'd never known that. I know that a, a linesman could always tell a ref that there was a five-minute major. I didn't know that a linesman could call a four-minute penalty. And if there's I any think... refs that are out there that know the answer to that, I, I honestly don't know. I didn't think a, a, a linesman could call a four-minute penalty. And obviously that's what happened because there was not a delayed call on the play. That was called after everything happened. Yeah, my understanding is that a linesman can directly call a five. They yep. can, no, they I can agree call with that. It. I agree. I don't. I didn't think they could tell. I don't even think they could tell a ref that you can that it's a four-minute penalty. But I don't know. I don't. Okay, know. Yeah, so. I had it explained to me that they they have the right to confer with the ref. But however it works. And then the other thing I was going to say is, um, like, not to be disrespectful to Taylor Hall, but just that that moment where he did that, you know, in a tight game. They had the lead. It was 2-1, correct, at the time? Uh, yes. So, you know, just that moment where he did that. So it wasn't smart. It just, well, it brought, you know what it did? It brought back to me a flood of memories of just all those things that have happened where, you know, he's not always the most cerebral guy. And the other thing I was going to say with, with Taylor Hall, and not to be negative about him, I thought personally that his undoing here at Edmonton was the first time that he played with McDavid. And I was watching closely, and he looked McDavid off six or seven times that game. It was the very first, I think, first game of the year last year. And, and I thought, oh, boy, like, you know, you don't look a guy like that off that's going to be the franchise. And I don't think we could have had this transition that's taken place here with him around. Don't want to be disrespectful. Great kid, you know, hard worker, but, you know, Say, I thought tonight was a great exclamation point on the end of things. I thought, I thought it, 
couldn't have worked out any better for closure. That exact incident happened in the way it did. So, All right, Cam, we appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for calling. 780-496-0063. The Oilers tough out a 3-2 overtime win over the New Jersey Devils. We don't get to the Japanese Village goal like tonight. We're in a bit of a drought. Haven't had it on since December 8th. The Oilers have to score five or more for us to turn it on on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Then you can go print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. All right, we'll go back to the phones. We have Alex standing by. Hello, Alex. Hi, Alex. Hello? Hi, Alex. Go ahead. Well, you know they're going to play a lot better team on Saturday night in Calgary. I tell you, buddy, that's going to be the game of the year, and I hope it's nasty. I hope it gets really nasty. And you know what? I want to see that to Chuck. I want to see that rookie to Chuck and Calgary get taken care of. That little bugger is running around the league, and he's causing a lot of uh, hacking and a lot of this and a lot of that, you know. And I, I think the Oilers got to make an example of the rookie to Chuck. And so, you know, so all the Edmonton Oilers, uh, uh, the team, take care of that little bugger. And take care of the team, period. Because if you go in there on Saturday night, and destroy Calgary, this team is going to come that much closer together. I want blood. I want blood on Saturday night. All right, Alex. He's ready for blood. Well, it's going to be a good game. I mean, the Flames have obviously come on. They're three points behind the Oilers right now. They could be a point behind if they beat New Jersey tomorrow. I think they will. The Oilers will have a game in hand on the Flames going into that Saturday night showdown, and it's going to be an important one. And I think Brandon Davidson will have something to say to Kachuk. Well, I think a few players. Well, I mean, Kachuk's doing what he does. And everyone knew that that's the kind of player he was when he was drafted. And they thought that he would make an impact that way, and he has. Uh, I, I I like the way he plays. I'd, I'd like him if he was on the Oilers. But if you're playing against him, you can't allow him to run around and be silly. Now, we're, we're throwing that out. They're not seeing whether he's going to or not. But the Oilers right now are a team that's built for those kind of hockey games. They've got guys on their team that can get silly as well. So, and when, uh, Just a side note, talking about silly, I'm, while we're here talking, I'm watching the LA Kings against St. Louis Blues. Ten seconds ago, the LA Kings, they've already got the Japanese goal light on. They're winning 5-1. But Clifford and Ryan Reeves lined up at a face-off, pushing and shoving. Reeves' mouthpiece falls out of his mouth. He goes down to pick it up, and Clifford shoots it down the ice. Oh, <laughs> it was quite funny. I'm trying not to laugh on air as we're doing that. But I, I agree with the caller. I am looking forward to Saturday night. I am looking forward to a Battle of Alberta hockey game that means something between two teams that are playing very well right now. And if you look at the standings, the Calgary Flames could leapfrog the Oilers. Yes. If they win against Jersey, which we both think they will, and they beat the Oilers Saturday night. So it shows you how tight this division and this conference is, and it shows you how well the Calgary Flames have played since a terrible start to the season. Challenge Insurance Group is going to bring you the Taylor Hall post-game interview. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions. You'll also hear from Leon Dreisaitl, who netted the winner tonight in overtime. Oilers beat the Devils 3-2. Dean, Miles, Scott, and Tony, you're all coming up on the phone lines. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center. And now New Jersey will bust up ice 3-on-2. Enrique hits center. Over the line for John Merrill. Across. One-timer to save made on Kyle Palmieri. A great read by Cam Talbot. Talbot not busy tonight. 
but he made the saves he had to make. His save of the game for Armor Insurance. Complete a free quote for a $10 Tim card at armorinsurance.ca. The shots tonight, 34-18 for the Oilers. So Talbot with 16 saves did have to make one uh, in overtime on a one-timer. So he gets the win tonight. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins with you. Thanks a lot for tuning in. In about a minute or two here, we have Taylor Hall from the Devils dressing room downstairs. But first at 780-496-0063, here's Dean. Hello, Dean. Gentlemen, how's it going? Good. Good, good. You guys seeing the end of the year schedule yet? Uh, yes, I've seen it. Why? Would you say that's essentially our playoff uh, do or die if we continue this? Because I think we play like L.A. four times, Vancouver twice, San Jose like yeah, twice. Play and... L.A. three times in the last three weeks. Uh, play Vancouver three times. Uh, got a home and home with Colorado. Play the Sharks in there a couple times. So... Yeah, pretty, it's, it's a lot of Pacific intense, Division eh? teams. Like, that's pretty much do or die? Well, if they hang around. <laughs> yeah, they keep hanging yeah, around, for sure. Well, that's, yeah. what you, that's what you want as a team. You want to be playing against the teams that are, you know, you're battling with for a playoff spot because you can dictate your, your, your own outcome. So the Oilers want to play those teams. You don't want to be sitting on the sidelines playing a bunch of other teams and watching every night as, you know, L.A. and Anaheim play each other or Calgary and Vancouver play each other because you know one of those teams is getting points. So you want to be in the mix, and the other schedule allows them to do. Thanks a lot for calling, Dean. All right, Taylor Hall downstairs for Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions. They're uh, obviously a pretty disappointing result uh, to lose it that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, anytime you have a lead in the third period, you got to lock that up and find a way to, you know, just. I feel like we sit back on lead sometimes, and, and that's not the way to go, especially against a team like that. And you, there's a way to sit sit on leads. There's a smart way, and and, uh, and we didn't do that, so uh, it's definitely tough to take. What's um, what happened with the snap off the faceoff? Obviously, that things got a little rough there. Yeah, I just. I meant to give him a nudge not in the face but um definitely give him a nudge and just wasn't uh wasn't a smart play so um definitely deserved you know four minutes there and if i uh you know probably if i could go back and take that back um you know just sometimes your your emotions get the best of you and you want to battle off a face off but not like that so um like to like to have that one back uh, luckily they didn't score in the power play but uh just like i said sometimes your emotions get the best of you been quite a five six day stretch for you i wonder how you just it's kind of not not over with but at least you kind of move past and kind of continue with the rest of the season yeah on a personal level i'm i'm glad to have these games out of the way not not in the sense that you know i was dreading them but just you know it's a lot to take and uh all in all i mean i, I had a fun night just um you know the ovation and i think i even got booed a little bit there by the end so um, I, I think you can say I'm a former player now um, after you get booed. So, uh, like I said, these you know these last six or seven days have been kind of stressful, just not knowing what to expect and having to play your former team. But um, we got two points out of the two games. Should have been a lot more. Frustrated with the bad line change at the end that kind of cost you maybe that extra point? Yeah, three on three, is it's all about managing the puck and managing line changes, and uh, we didn't do that. I don't think it's for lack of effort. It, just miscommunication and uh that's you know that's huge in three on three i mean there's so much open ice and you have to really manage that part of the game when that video came up what kind of uh in the first period what kind of thoughts went through your head 
Uh, I mean, uh, a lot of different thoughts. Um, you know, I said it was a weird night, the first first game playing. Tonight was uh, just a whole different level, even though I, I had never played in this building before. Um, you know, hearing that from the fans and seeing a video, and uh, it was all kind of surreal. So um, in that, you know, in saying that, I think it was a night I'll, I'll remember for a long time, and um, I was very, very grateful for the applause and the way that people have treated me since I've been here has been awesome. Taylor Hall gets an assist tonight. Two shots on goal, 15-58 of ice time. His New Jersey Devils fall in overtime, 3-2 to the Edmonton Oilers. We got a quick news break, and then we're right back. Miles, you're up next on the phone lines. Oilers take it 3-2 in OT. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center. Live from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Dry settle in over the line. Drop pass. McDavid wrist shot. Save made. Rebound. And that one off the body. Maroon and wide. And then throw back in front. Score! Edmonton's tied the game. Two to two. A flurry in front. And it ends up trickling behind Corey Schneider, who is down and out and never quite could recover. Patrick Maroon. The big rig just keeps on trucking. Ninth goal in the last 11. That was a big one tonight. Tied it with 7.24 to go. He's up to 17 on the season. And the Oilers win it 3-2 in overtime. McDavid hitting Dreisaitl on a 2-on-1, a minute 50 into the extra frame. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. 780-496-0063 is our phone number. We have Miles on the line. Hello, Miles. Hi. How are you doing, guys? Doing great. Right on. Uh, just wondering your thoughts on the power play. It's been struggling for the last couple of games. Why not leave the big line of Connor and Leon and uh, Patrick together on the power play and let them give it a shot? I agree. Uh, for for a few reasons. Uh, one, Maroon's your, your hottest goal scorer, so he should be on the first power play unit with the best playmakers. Two, it, when you split lines up, it kind of... You're, you're always going to have a guy that's tired on the side of a power play. So if the line of McDavid was just out there for a minute shift, they get a power play, they're taking that line off, but they got to leave Maroon out. So now he's a little tired playing in front of the net. So if you leave lines together, for the most part, unless you throw a fourth liner, but you leave them together, they're going to be on or off the power play at the same time. So you're going to have them fresher. And the other thing is coming out of power plays. If you have more or less lines on your power play, when you come out of a power play, your next shift, you have three fresh guys that regularly play together. So I agree. I'd have Maroon on my first power play unit uh, for all it of those makes, reasons. Yeah, absolutely. It just makes sense, right? I mean, they're so hot together right now. Why not leave them together and, and put the best defensive pair out there and let them go? Well, I mean, I, I don't even think you have to have uh, – you can throw a forward. On, I mean, Mark Latestu, he's still out there. He's on your fourth line. That doesn't affect anything. But – if they are that dominant as they have been five on five, you got to think they're going to be pretty good five on four too. With a little, excuse me, with a little extra room. So yeah, I, I completely agree. Then your second unit will be the Nugent Hopkins, Eberle, Lucic, and uh, whoever else is you want as your your, your, your fourth that, forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Miles, the power play was just one goal in its last six games, so it's cooled off a little bit. The only goal did win the game in New Jersey on, on Saturday when they had the overtime power play. Also, another note here, Miles, before we finish the play, 
the Oilers have only scored the first goal once in the last seven games. So yeah, that, that's kind of amazing with the with the way they're going. But uh, I've been I've been watching this team since they were in the old garden, so it's pretty exciting to see the way they're playing right now. You and Brian Hall, eh? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not quite that old, but uh, yeah, I've nobody's been that time. old. Miles, no, nobody's that old. Miles, you're going to finish the play. You can qualify for the grand prize draw, $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. As Russell and Paul Mary, and Paul Mary missed with an overhand right, and Russell landed a right hand. All right, a little bit of a scrap there between Paul Mary and Russell. That was at the end of what period? End of the second period. As Russell and Paul Mary, and Paul Mary missed with an overhand right, and Russell landed a right hand. Quickly, the linesmen move in to separate, and all of a sudden, it's getting rough. Miles at the 20 minute mark of the first period. Oh, my goodness. Well, well, Miles will call in again. We'll give him another chance. Yeah, I, I couldn't look quick enough to see if he was right or not. My fault for not helping him out. That's all right. Oilers win 3-2 in overtime. Before we go back to the phones, Leon Dreisaitl had the game winner. Here he is for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine parts at wholesale prices. Connor, I mean, Leon. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> I wish. I, I you wish. must have known that was coming from Connor, though, in overtime there on the winner of the entire time. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I mean, with him you always have to be ready. You know, he can he can make things happen out of nothing. And um, you know, uh, what, what a nice pass! And it was uh, pretty pretty easy to tap that one in. How big is that win, Leon? Just points, keeping pace with the Sharks and the Ducks and all of that. Yeah, it's huge. Um, you know, it's basically playoff time for us right now. You know, we need every single point. Um, uh, you know, every team is battling for a playoff spot right now, and um, you know we're 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 in the we're in the hunt, so um, you know we're 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 thankful for every point we get. Another big uh, game for your line. It just seems like as the game moves along, you guys just continue to feed off each other and get more dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I said it earlier. Um, I think we we complement each other really well, and um, you know we all like making plays. But we also have that drive to the net. So, um, so far it's been working for us. You guys have shown a knack that when it doesn't look like the game is going your way, you sort of still stick with it and, and find ways to pull it out. Of the yeah, um, you know, I think the first two periods we, we had our looks, but it wasn't it wasn't cons- uh, consistent. You know, it wasn't every shift. But um, you know, that's when you have to stick with it, and that's when you have to, you know, bear down and, and uh, like I said, stick with it. And uh, we did that tonight. Uh, Patty scored a huge goal for us. You got Calgary coming in here for the first time in a long time. Breed, that's uh, Leon Dreisaitl. It is Leon Dreisaitl. Thanks, Brendan Ulrich, who accidentally called him Connor. Well, they, to start, I love Leon's reaction. Did you hear that? He goes, I wish. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So do I some days. But those two, well, I mean, they're like twins out there right now. They play the, the, the game so well together. They understand each other well. They know where each other should be. And I, I think everybody in the arena tonight, all 18,000 plus, knew on that two-on-one that Leon Dreisaitl was going to be put his, putting his hands up very quickly as that puck was going to come to him and he was going to put it in the back of the net. Great pass, great finish, and a very good game for the Edmonton Oilers getting the two points. The Oilers have won four games that have ended in overtime. Dreisaitl with two of the winners, Latestu and Nugent Hopkins with the other ones. In terms of games tied after 60 minutes, they're now 6-7, and seven, so that includes overtimes and shootouts. You know, it, it was one of those games where you felt like, are they going to get over the hump? Are they going to get over the hump? I was getting a little nervous, Rob, because at times, and then they took, I, I thought they really took over after Maroon tied it, or maybe even a couple minutes before that. 
But, you know, I, I saw a few, oh, man, those long, and you mentioned it earlier, too, those long kind of hope passes through the neutral zone. New Jersey would step in front or tip it away. And I was like, oh, man, are they going to maybe get a little more patient here and, and move it up ice with some shorter, crisper passes? Well, we were talking before. The New Jersey Devils are a team that they trap it up in the middle. They have to. They're not talented enough to to, to be able to, to trade chances with you, so they trap it up and hope to win a game 2-1. And the Oilers played into it for times over the two games they played against them. But once they get the roll and get the pucks in deep, that's when they get their offense going. We saw the tying goal. They got the puck in deep. They got it behind the net. And despite what Mike Johnson said the other day on Bob Stoffer's show when he said that most goals in the NHL are scored on the rush, I disagree. Most goals in the NHL are scored on in-zone offensive plays, starting from down low, getting the cycle going, taking the puck to the net. That's what the Oilers did, and it was their number one line that created the chance and the number one line that finished it is Patty Maroon put in a dry sidle feed, tied the game, and at that point you knew the others were not only getting one point, they were getting the second. Well, Maroon also won it with four minutes left off an absolute gift from John Merrill. Oh, you know what was funny when that happened? I said, I was thinking in my head, Patrick Lyon scored on himself here yep. earlier this year, and that was an embarrassing moment for that young man. This play by John Merrill was no less embarrassing had Patty Maroon scored. Because John Merrill was in his own end of a of a tie game. Nobody on him. All the time in the world. And you cannot pass a better pass than he'd put on Patrick Maroon's stick. Like it was I today with my young kids at school, we practice passing. And I might take that clip and show them <laughs> here is exactly how to make a nice crisp stick to stick pass. And uh, Corey Schneider had to bail his defensive partner out on that one, make a big save on Patrick Maroon, because that was absolutely horrific, especially the pass and the timing of the pass for, for the New Jersey Devils. Schneider, who was very good again tonight, he had no chance on the goals against, and unfortunately his season has not gone the way he wanted, and it's because his team cannot score. 3-2 Oilers win it in overtime, 780-496-0063. We'll say good evening to Scott. Hello, Scott. Hey, thanks for taking the call, guys. Uh, watching the game tonight, I really did predict beforehand that we were going to blow these guys out tonight, especially if you look down their d defense, the, the injuries, whatever they have. Um, with that being said, uh, well, obviously glad that we got the, the victory, but it was uh, hard fought to get, I tell you that much. Well, New Jersey, I mean, the effort's there for them. I don't think the skill level is comparable to a lot of the good teams in the National Hockey League, but they do work hard. They try to block shots. They they, they, they do the little things. They just are not blessed with a whole lot of talent. For, I mean, they got probably three, four forwards, and they got one defenseman that you would call good, strong players. The rest are a bunch of guys that are... Severson's got 20 points, so he's and he's, he's minus 25. True. Yes. So. No, I don't know. I think the Oilers have always had a trouble with uh, the trap teams, but you know, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about uh, um, earlier in the season when we played in Toronto. In Toronto, um, you looked at uh, the post game, and uh, you had uh, Babcock criticizing. Um, McClellan about the way he used McDavid and blah blah blah, um, and it seemed like I'm not, I didn't check ice times or anything for that game, but I know he played a lot that game. Yep. I'm just kind of wondering why. I know you look at the Gretzky years, which I grew up through. 
Uh, Gretzky played the first line. He's third line. I mean, Slaysander played him like like a horse. Uh, I hope that McClellan doesn't, uh, you know, it's in the back of his head that, you know, okay, well, I don't want to you know, look like a dummy or something, you know. McDavid, I, I think he needs more ice. Connor McDavid played 24 minutes tonight. Did which, he really? Okay. Yes, which is an exceptional amount for a forward. It is, yeah. And I think yeah. he's in the top five forwards in the NHL, something along that line. He plays a lot. Mike Babcock apologized afterwards. He was being a little okay. Yeah, yeah. I, he was. I think he was kind of like, I don't know if it's smugness about it, but yeah, you know what? We know what we were doing. You, he tired him out. We just kept putting our guys out against him. He apologized yeah. to Tom McClellan afterwards. He knew that it was wrong what he said. I don't think you're ever going to have to worry about Connor McDavid not getting the ice time that he needs or deserves. Tom McCullough knows what kind of special player he has in Connor. And he's used to getting it. And, and Scott, to your point, hopefully at some point the Oilers do. <laughs> Since the beginning of December, it hasn't happened a lot because almost as Rob and I joke, every game is tighter within a goal after second period. But hopefully they do have a game maybe in the near future they can control and you roll four lines down the stretch, or, or maybe Connor's line even might be, a, be the be the shortened line late in the game. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of expecting a blowout, I, I, don't, I, I understand why you would, you would think that. I mean, I think the Oilers are a better team than the Devils, but there just aren't a lot in the NHL, and I think especially where the Oilers are at in their development. With Todd McClellan often calls them a growth team. And I still think we have seen there. I, I still think they're in a stretch here, where they haven't had good first periods. And they they I I thought they were better in the first tonight than they were against San Jose. But I still thought they could have dictated more. Oh, I agree. I I think that one of the reasons this game went down to the wire is the New Jersey Devils coming in here after being totally outclassed by the Oilers last time, got through the first 10, 12 minutes of this game, and they're thinking we're still in this, and they gained some confidence. And it carried on. And then second period, again, the Oilers came out strong. And they didn't push hard enough that they, they created separation. And the New Jersey Devils, again, felt, you know what, we're in this game. Um, the Oilers are going to have a hard time blowing anyone out. Because right now, they've got a first line that is scoring, not at will, but scoring very consistently. But they've got a number of players on this team that are snake-bitten. And... and so the Jordan Eberleys, the Nugent Hopkins, the Pouliots, the Cassians, it's hard to blow a team out when you got guys that are going 15, 20, 30 games without goals. So the Oilers are not a team that's going to score a ton of goals, but they're a team right now that is finding a way to score one goal more than its opposition on a lot of these nights. All right, the Oilers take it 3-2 in overtime. Tony, Daniel, Doug, you're up next on the phones. We've got to call a quick timeout here. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranish Team Broadcast. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. From the Terry Peranish Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Yeah, L.A. just all over St. Louis tonight. 5-1 with 14 minutes left as we check the Advantage Trailer Rentals scoreboard. The Flyers outlast the Canucks 5-4 in a shootout. Senators beat the Penguins 4-1. Lightning knock off the Sabres 4-2. Nashville wins at home 2-1 over Boston. Minnesota crushing the Canadians 7-1. Dallas knocks off the Red Wings 5-2. Anaheim gets a 4-1 decision in Colorado. And here at Rogers Place, in overtime, Dreisaitl the winner. Oilers beat the Devils 3 Two. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins, and we have Tony on the phone line. Tony, thank you for calling. 
Hi, I got two things. First one is nothing against Laurent Bressois and Cam Talbot because Talbot's been amazing this year. But are we going to be looking for another goaltender to back up Talbot for one of the nights that he doesn't want to be in net or he's too tired? Uh, and my second one... Games that he's not going to want to be in net. There might be some games the coaches think he's too tired, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything out there that the others can get that they're going to bring in at this point. And my second one in, my second question is, I've been reading about um, Colorado having um, Duchesne, Landeskog, I don't know who else is um, wanting, to get, wanting to get traded, but do you think there's any chance that we can possibly get those guys to replace maybe Everly and maybe Pouliot so that we can actually have some um, depth no. with Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Not a chance. It's going to be tough. Yeah, Not a chance. I mean, I I don't think so. I I, I really don't. I, it'd be nice. I mean, Duchesne and his speed. We've seen him in in the Olympics. We've seen him in uh, how how talented he is. Landeskog's a, a good leader, but I I don't see them coming to the Edmonton Oilers. No. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Daniel on the line as well. Hi, Daniel. Good evening, guys. Hi. Yeah, first of all, I just want to say, you know, I can remember watching, say, they're playing the old Edmonton Gardens, and I guess I can say this, in all my years, you two put on or work together so well as a post-game show, and I just so thoroughly enjoy it. So thanks very much. Well, thank you very Um, much. That's very kind. What I really enjoyed about tonight's game was the fact that many of the one-on-one battles, I saw the Oiler players or various players going in with what I what I would term as tenacity, and they came out with a puck. And many times I saw saw the Oilers reacting, or rather initiating, instead of always reacting. And it seemed like the more brace of the game became, the better the the more the Oilers started to to just thrive. And I just wondered about your thoughts about that, and I, I'm sure looking forward to Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's a lot of people that are looking forward to, to Saturday's game against the Flames. So many of us grew up watching the Battle of Alberta and the excitement. I mean, there was always a different feeling, Reid. Remember when you come to the game when it was Calgary and Edmonton, the people, I mean, there will be a lot of Flame fans here. They got their jerseys on. There's chants outside, just a different electricity in the house. And it was gone for a number of years simply because both teams weren't very good. So I'm looking forward to it. And as far as your, the, the Oilers are a much more abrasive team this year. It's what Peter Shirelli wanted. He, he, he's got a team now that uh, there's nights they go into the corners with a little snarl. And that's not what we've seen in the past. You were right. The Oilers were a team that reacted. But now they're a team that initiates. And it shows in the standings. I mean, this is a team that is in the top, what, 12, 13 in the NHL that has been in the bottom three or four for, for a decade. Yeah, well, and I think some of those lineup changes and that snarl is the adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better. With help from your chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. And it may be a perfect example is the Cassian attack <laughs> on halt. And look, that was if he would have got a five-minute major and the Devils would have had a power play and they would have scored three to end the game, 
people wouldn't have liked it, but the Oilers do have some guys who will sort of snap a little bit sometimes, or or, or even unexpected guys like Benning fighting the other night who will who will step up and, and get their nose dirty. It's ten fifty six. We got to take a quick time out and bring you the news and weather as well. Doug, you're next on the phone lines, and you're going to hear from Adam Larson who beats his old team again tonight, and Devils coach John Hines. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line live from, from the, the Terry Ferrandine Broadcast Center. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Leon Seidel, a goal and two assists. He gets the game winner. The Oilers knock off the Devils 3-2 in overtime. Connor McDavid, two assists tonight. Patrick Maroon scores his 17th. Andre Sekera got his fifth. The Oilers come from behind to knock off the Devils again, second time in the last week. Thanks for staying with us. It's 11.05-780-496-0063. I'm Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown alongside, and we have Doug on the phone line. Hey, Doug. Hey, Rob Reed. How's it going? Good. Good. Listen, guys, uh, you both stole a little bit of my thunder before the break there, but, uh, Reed, I w- I'm right with you. I-, I was a little worried about the way this game was going tonight. Uh, it just seemed like the longer it went, the longer it went, uh, we weren't getting nothing done offensively or popping a goal. It was- we were chasing the game again, and boy, oh, boy, I just, uh, I- I- going back to Rob's point, we're just not getting any scoring from anybody else right now in the top line, eh? Uh, What can you do about it besides just slug it out? You're not going to make any big wholesale trades or anything like that. That's not going to happen, like you guys said. We're not going to get a top-line guy like Duchesne or whatever. Uh, I I don't know. What do you do? I mean, I was just thinking to myself, I know we've had a tough time finding somebody to play on the right side with uh, McDavid, other than Drysdale, of course, but to get some secondary scoring, I'd still like to see Leon as our second-line center somewhere with somebody to try to spread a little more scoring. What's your guys' thoughts? I've, I've said right from day one that I have dry settle on McDavid's line. I, I just, they are so good together, and I know it takes away from some of the other lines, but that line wins you. I mean, the games that they win, it's because that line, the team jumps on their back. Uh, they, the Oilers just, I mean, they've got a line right now, Nugent Hopkins, Everly, and Puglia. And if it's not Puglia, it's Lucic. That line should be scoring. I it, agree. So I agree. I, what I think the Oilers have to do is the players and Everly and Nugent Hopkins and Puglia and Lucic, all these players that are skilled players that have scored before, they have to make sure that they're playing very good defensive hockey so that they are not uh, a liability on the ice. So that's the first thing they do. So now all of a sudden, if they're playing even, now our best line is going to beat their best line, and we win the game. Second, they... they, Sorry? You're right, Rob. I agree 100%. The only thing is... I think these chasing the game is going to catch up to us eventually. We got to get some. I'm not saying going to score every game, but you got to get some secondary scoring. I mean, tonight I think Everly had one good shot and he hit the post or whatever it was. And uh, I, I didn't mind Puliot's game tonight, to tell you the truth. But the bottom line is they got to bury the biscuit once in a while. Yeah, you know, yeah you're, you're absolutely happening. right. You're, you're right. I mean, if you look when the Oilers, we've. I mean, if the things are going the way they are. The rest of the season, the Oilers are going to make the playoffs. Well, if you want to make the playoffs, you need every year. There's players that come up that surprise everybody. It, it, you have secondary scoring type of players that become mm, heroes. I mean, Fernando Pisani here in Edmonton, guys you don't expect to. They're the guys that score. So the Oilers need to find that 
come playoff time. They need somebody to step up. To me, what Todd McClellan is doing is he's trying everything possible to get those players scoring. He's switching lines up. He's got Lucic down low, moving Pouliot up. He's, he's had Everly back and forth. He's doing everything possible. They've got to find their game. Yeah, it's got to come from within, like uh, uh, we talked earlier. It's not going to come from outside anywhere. There's nobody to call up that's going to score your goals. You're not going to make trades. Ah, at the trade deadline, that might make something. Who knows? But it's got to come from within inside the team. And it's not that these guys haven't scored in the past, Eberle and Pouliot and Nugent. These guys, they can score. Well, for, but for whatever they're... reason, it's just it's just not working. Yeah, well, for a while there, Nugent, uh, Eberle, and Pouliot were dominant as a line. They have been in the past. Eberle's led this team in scoring three times. Exactly. So, I... I think what they're hoping is that the Dreisaitl McDavid line can carry them for a while. And while they're doing it, these players, one of them will have a breakout game and gain the confidence. Because I can tell you for for a fact, and I know this from experience, when you are a goal scorer and you lose your confidence, you don't score. Yeah. But if you have that one game and all of a sudden you get a little bit of swagger back, then you start not thinking anymore. When you're struggling, you're thinking. Well, it seems to me, I'm watching the games, it's like they want to pass the puck in the net every second. Sometimes, goal score, you just just fire the damn thing. Just just fire the net, and who knows what's going to happen, right? Absolutely. And we're trying to be too cute and pass around two or three defensemen and pass it by the goalie. And, you know, I mean, every goal can't be pretty like you've talked about in the past, right? Yeah, you're right. If you're a goal scorer and it's not going... Just fire from all angles. Who knows what, right? Well, it's funny. I've always been a belief when I when I was in a, a struggle, I always wanted to shoot more to get out of the exactly. struggle. Some guys are the opposite. They get, uh, they start thinking, okay, well, I'm not doing. I'm just not going in for me. I'll pass it to him because let him score instead. Right. But to me, it, it's the opposite. Shoot more and shoot from everywhere. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I agree 100 percent, Rob. Well, cross our fingers. Hopefully, they can get out of this funk as far as that secondary scoring goes. Eh? Yeah. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad Doug brought that up because a lot of people have texted in tonight. How did Everly play? How did that line play? And somebody uh, texted in. Uh, Frinky says, uh, watching an Everly highlight reel on YouTube, he goes to the net to score. I don't think he does that anymore. Not enough. Fair enough. Well, there was an article. It was written today and it talked i think it was was it ray ferrero they were quoting i think it was ray i don't i might be wrong or or, or elliot free was someone but they talked about that jordan eberly is being pushed out he's not going to the net yep. as much as he used to and, it, and it's true and jordan talked about the fact that he watches video he watches video of when he was successful where he's been in the past and the league continues to evolve and what you could do last year or the year before the year before that now you might have to change it a bit. So I might be able to score from 15 feet out before. Well, now the goalie's better. Defensive play's better. Now maybe it has to be from 8 feet out. I've got to go to the net. I've got to tip the puck. I've got to drive. I mean, all these things. So they're doing what they can to get these guys their confidence back. But until it goes in for them, till the, the, the breakaway in Ottawa, instead of going crossbar out, goes crossbar in. This one hits the post. This one right? hits the post. Those go in. All of a sudden, he'll feel good about himself and things will go back going the right way because they didn't wake up and their talent was gone. Yeah. So hope- but they, but they, I, I, but I, I think also, like we touched on, there has to be a little more determination yep. to get to get in there to the front on that. I mean, we've talked to death about that's how Maroon scores. Oh, absolutely. And, and, even, and Rob, I, 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 I agree with you um, that still a lot of the goals are scored off the grind. Mm-hmm. 
but even the goals off the rush often materialize because someone went to the net. Absolutely. Now, how did Sekera get wide open in the slot? Okay, he joined the rush late. But every other devil guy looked for an oiler who was going to the net. Mm-hmm. So, no, Leon often will drive the net, but he's so creative. He stops, sees Sekera, Sekera's wide open, and he makes your favorite five-hole shot on, on Schneider. So even a goal like there, you say, well, it was a rush goal. Yes, but everything opened up for Sekera because Dreisaitl, Maroon, and McDavid all went, went to the towards net. the net. Hey, well, when, when you drive, sometimes for Eberle to score, you need Pouliot to drive through the middle to open up room. Or if you want... Uh, Zach Cassian wants to break out of his 30 goal or 30 game without a goal. He needs his line mate Lucic to drive through the net and take guys. You, you're, it, it's a team game. It's a, it's a line when it, for one guy to score. The line has to create something, and it's not just by passing and skating, but it's by creating havoc in front of that. It's driving a defenseman back. It's putting the puck in the right area on a on a forecheck. The the Oilers sometimes are guilty of they've got control of the puck in the neutral zone. They want to get the forecheck going. And they dump it in without a purpose. They dump it in, the goalie comes out. He stops it, snaps it by you, forecheck gone. Instead of putting it soft in a corner or quiet behind a guy so that you can get there first. Um, The good thing right now is the Oilers are in a playoff spot with some guys having absolutely horrific years by their standards. Once those players get back to playing what they're capable of doing, now you think, holy smokes, where can this team go? So uh, I, I think that I'm looking at this as a glass half full thing, that the Oilers are where they are with a bunch of good hockey players that have not been playing up to their potential. Three goals tonight. That means a $75 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, courtesy of Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. Booster Juice giving 25 bucks for every goal throughout the season, and you can follow the total on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Let's hear from Oilers defenseman Adam Larson, who beats his old team again tonight. You guys were able to hang in there and then looked like you got a lot of momentum from that tying goal. Do you feel that was fair to say? Yeah, I uh, we probably beat ourselves a little bit in the second period there in the uh, beginning of the third, but I thought we're a patient team and we know a lot of confidence in the room and this is the points we're going to get if we want to be successful, the points where we don't really feel 100%. So if you want to be a successful team, we have to keep winning these, te- these games. Two wins against your former team uh, must feel pretty good. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, it feels pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Are you able to like maybe close the that chapter now and move on? Is it a little bit of a closure for you now having played them twice? Well, it's obviously those games you look at in the calendar and during the summer, as soon as after a trade. But I mean, for me, it was special going back to Jersey. But tonight, I thought it was like every other game. Uh, I met the guys, I met the team, so it's the first game was more special for me. Just in the grand scheme of things, the, the two points with the sound is so tight. How big is this win for this group right now? It's huge, especially when we haven't had our best performances in the last two games. So moving forward, obviously, we have a really big game coming up. So we just have to build from this game and, and move on to the next one. Thanks. Read that, Adam Larson. Thanks, Brendan. Talking to Oilers defenseman Adam Larson, a 3-2 overtime win for the Oilers tonight. Larson did have an assist in this game. So the Oilers are 22-15-7, third in the Pacific. They're three behind Anaheim, one behind the Sharks. The Sharks have two games in hand on both the Oilers and the Ducks. Calgary has 48, so three behind the Oilers. They'll play the Devils tomorrow and then be here on Saturday 
Uh, Nashville and Van. I know Nashville's in the other division, but Nashville now has the second wild card, 45 points, same as Vancouver. But actually, did they update the Kings win yet? I'm not sure if they did. Uh, but anyway, my point is it's very close. Uh, yeah, so L.A., uh, Nashville and Vancouver, 45. L.A., 44. Dallas, 44. So, I mean, you look at you look at the best non-playoff team has 45. The Oilers have 51. So, you know, three-win cushion right there. But like Larson said, you know, it's great to get the two points, and especially when you're not playing your best. And and Rob, you know, it's like it's like a golfer. Like a guy shot a 59 yesterday or today, and yeah. there's always another putt you could have made. But can you still do well and figure it out when you? Because you never you never have all 19 guys playing their absolute best. So can you win sometimes with two lines going or a guy not feeling great or whatever? The Oilers have at least shown the ability to tough it out along those lines. Well, yeah, uh, they have. They're, they're winning games without their, their best game at night. They're, everyone says, well, you got to have a 60-minute effort, and the Oilers sometimes don't put the full 60 minutes together. Well, no, a lot of teams don't have the full 60 minutes, but you got to find a way to win those games. And the Oilers are doing a good job that way. They're they're limiting chances against, which is huge. They're getting timely goal scoring. Their their number one line has been a true number one line, and their goaltending has been very good. I think maybe five times this year, the other goaltender was better. But for the most part, the Oilers have been even or better in the goaltending department. And if you have that. You're in every game. And right now, the, the Oilers, are they're a team that can play one-goal games. And there was teams in the past here in Edmonton where they weren't going to play well in the one-goal games. It was going to go the opposite way. They've become a team that you feel at any point they can win this game. And uh, they continue to bank points. And they've, put them, they've set themselves up very nicely through the first half of the season. Now there's the matter of taking care of the second half when the games get tougher. Downstairs one more time. Here's Devils head coach John Hines. Are you at all uh, surprised with the animosity between these two teams? Uh, no, not necessarily. I think when you play, you know, a team, uh, same team within five days, I think it's uh, you know it gets pretty competitive, and uh, you know it's good. It's it's good to have that. I think it brings emotion to the game and uh, pretty tight game tonight. What did they do to kind of turn it where you weren't able to get out of your zone as much as you were maybe earlier in the game? Well, in the first period, we managed the puck, and we were hard on the puck and played more in the offensive zone. In the second period, I think if you, I think we gave up one odd man rush in the third period, in the first period, in the second period, we uh, turned some pucks over, particularly on that first goal. And I think they got a little bit of momentum. And I thought in third period we did a little bit better job. Not happy with the outcome of the overtime. Have you no, no, you know it's it's. Uh, it's disappointing when you lose, you know, I think. And, and sometimes it's, you know, if you're going to lose a game, you want to have a team beat you on a real good play. And, you know, unfortunately we had a, 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 a tough line change decision there at the end. And, you know, it's tough to give that up. But that's what happens three on three. Good to be back in the ice in Calgary again tomorrow? Yeah, it'd be good. I mean, I think anytime you, you know, you don't have the result that you want, it's a lot of times it's better to, to get right back at it. And we have that opportunity tomorrow. What was Sergey missed about the last 10 minutes of the second period? Yeah, he had blocked the shot, so it was just seeing if he could play or not, and he got it out and did a good job. You go to Keith or you go back to Corey tomorrow? Uh, we'll decide tomorrow. Okay. Okay.
just in general, it seems like you're, you're kind of right at the precipice of getting these points. Is the next step now, you know, protecting that third period lead? And yeah, it's, it's finding ways to win the game. I mean, it's whether you have the lead or you're getting three on three or whatever it might be. I mean, we're... Um, you know, in, in positions to, to be able to, to, to get the extra point, and we haven't found a way to do it. That is John Hines, head coach of the New Jersey Devils. They are now 16, 18, and 9 on the season. So, yeah, some overtime opportunities for them that they haven't been able to finish off, including two against the Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton beat them 2-1 in New Jersey in overtime on Saturday. Tonight, Leon Dreisaitl gets the game winner, and the Oilers win 3-2 in the extra session. All right, so here's what's coming up. Saturday, 6.30 face-off show, puck drop at 8, Oilers Flames right here on 6.30, Chad. That'll be fun, and keep an eye on the Devils and the Flames tomorrow night. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. Our engineer here at Rogers Place is Troy Bowler. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. More on the Oilers on 6.30Ched.com. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center. Have a great night.